The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. Yes, I'm the baby boomer. And I am Jason Commander, freshman at UT Austin, Generation Z. I am a writer for CBD Review on an account for TSTV Sports, and I have recently joined Tally Site Sports, where you can track my betting predictions all March Madness. Ooh, I love it. Not bad for a UT Austin freshman. Hey, we want to thank everyone who has downloaded the Sportscaster and her son from Apple, Podbean, or wherever you might be listening. Please continue to do so and spread the word to family and friends. Download, subscribe, rate us. Those are the three key words for us. It's our lifeblood with podcast ratings. It's actually, you know, how you kind of move up and more people can find you. Um, You know, we'd like to say we don't always get along, but we both share a passion for sports. And so we do talk a lot of sports and it does bridge the gap between us. So Jason, in this episode, we are going to talk about your favorite topic and it's not the White Sox, it's college basketball tournament time. We didn't have it last year. Guess what? It is back your favorite time of the year. Certainly is. Um, I always get so excited around this time of the year. Um, this time it's even more special knowing that we've all waited two years to get here. I'm very lucky to say that my school is uh, going to be a high seed. This is something that's very weird for me. I grew up as a TCU basketball fan, so I'm used to watching March Madness with no biases. So this year will definitely be very, very different in that sense. But I'm just so excited for it. Once March 1st hit, uh, my focus sort of shifted from – any sport to just college basketball and this week has been has been a conference tournament week next week is when March Madness tips off and it's the best time of the year you just feel it in the air everyone's so happy everyone's so excited the nervous energy just love every little bit of it do you think we're going to enjoy it more because we didn't have it last year well yes 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 just break straight up yes absolutely Absolutely. This is this is what I call a sacred time of the year. It's my fate. I, I would say I like the opening day of the first round, the round of 64. I would put up a pretty solid argument that I like. Uh, I love that day more than I love Christmas. I, <laughs> not even kidding. Not even kidding. I think that um, the field is going to be incredible this year. The setting, considering the fact that it's all in Indiana, is going to be the perfect storm for plenty of upsets. Um, aside from Gonzaga and Baylor, once you get past those two teams, it's a very balanced pool. So we could see a complete mixed bag in the Final Four and in the Elite Eight and in the Sweet 16. It, it just feels so good. I can't say enough about it. It feels so good to hear all of the terms associated with March Madness again. Cinderella's and upsets and 
uh, all the seeds and Final Four and et cetera and et cetera. It's just it's such an exciting and just amazing, amazing, amazing time of the year. I love every single bit of it. So you kind of called it a couple of weeks ago when you said it's going to be Baylor and Gonzaga one and two all year. Um, and it, sure enough, that's what's happening. Um, but here in Illinois, the Illini have really made some noise this year. How do you think they're going to do? Well, it doesn't take it doesn't take a very smart or well-versed person in the college basketball world to, to think that the Illini are going to do pretty well especially considering that up until Saturday, they spent just a few weeks without their superstar point guard, Io DeSumo, and still beat Michigan. So I think that the Illini are going to do very well. But the big talk surrounding this tournament has been that because of no travel, because of the, the, sort, the sort of weird tournament setting, it's not like recent years where you win two games in the region and then move on to a different city, you're going to be in the same location. A lot of people, a lot of very well-educated people in the college basketball world think that that means a lot of upset. And this is an Illinois team that has gotten very hot at the right time. The one knock against this Illinois team is that you could put up a very good argument that the only team that can beat Illinois is Illinois themselves. And the evidence for that argument could be the fact that they barely beat Ohio University earlier this season. Oh. And Ohio University ended up finishing towards the bottom half of the MAC conference. The Illini have had close games with Northwestern, which they ultimately ended up blowing them out. But the fact that they were even close with Northwestern to begin with was a little bit startling. They had a close game with Nebraska recently. So the Illini do play teams close. They didn't play Michigan close last week, but they do play seeds close. And in a tournament setting, that doesn't necessarily bode well because what happens if Io DeSumo goes out with five fouls mm. or if Kofi Coburn goes out with five fouls? The Illini are such a top-heavy team to where their two superstar players will literally determine how far this team goes, which is a very dangerous mentality to have in March. You know, speaking of the Illini, um, everyone keeps comparing them to the flying Illini, the flying Illini, you know, 20 years ago, um, it's like they've forgotten about 2005 and what Illinois did in 2005, a team that went 29 and 0 at one point, won the Big Ten title with just one loss, took the Big Ten tournament title, um, went all the way to the national championship game, only to lose to North Carolina by five. Um, 37 and 2 that year. Sports Illustrated called them the best team ever not to win a national title. I mean, this, that team was pretty phenomenal. I know yeah. you don't know that team, Jason, but what are we talking about in comparison to the 2020 2021 squad? Well, first off, I do know that team. Uh, Darren Williams, the D Brown, one of the best one two combos in, in the 2000s in college basketball. Team's phenomenal. And if you talk to an Illini fan about that season, you're not going to have a very positive conversation because all you're going to hear is how BS that loss was considering that UNC's players either didn't know how to read or weren't taking classes and all, all, of, the, all of the controversies surrounding UNC. But besides the point, that team was excellent. This team, on paper, not, maybe not as strong. The star power is similar, though. 
the way that that 2005 line I team was built, they were built around Williams and Brown. This line I team is built around Basumo and Coburn. So the one thing that is going to separate between the 15 years these two teams is the level of competition. 2005, the Illini and North Carolina were the two favorites. That that national championship game, the matchup did not surprise anyone. This year, if the national championship game is anything other than Gonzaga versus Baylor, it would be a colossal surprise. It'd be massive because Gonzaga and Baylor are so obviously the two best teams in the country. So, on paper, the teams are similarly built with the star power, obviously a little bit different with Coburn being a big presence down low. That maybe is what the Illini lacked in 2005 was the presence down low. But what the Illini lacked this year in comparison to 2005 is the depth of the 2005 Illini team. This Illini team can go seven deep, maybe eight, but depth has been a concern. Maybe not when they won against Michigan without Io, but in total, depth might be a little bit of a concern, especially at the guard position. Adam Miller has struggled mightily at times. He's made some big plays and put up some big numbers. But since conference play began, Adam Miller's play had significantly dropped off. Andre Curbelo, another freshman guard, has been very good. But I don't know how I feel about Andre Curbelo playing a major role in a Sweet 16 or Elite 8 game. So like I said earlier, it's going to come down to Io or Kofi. But to answer the ultimate question, I think this Illini team is Final Four bound. I really do. And until they run into Gonzaga or Baylor, I'm not going to pick against them. Jason, I know exactly who we can talk to. I know exactly who we can talk to. We can talk Gonzaga basketball, and we can talk Illini. I know who we should call. Should we do it? Let's do it. Okay. Jason, I told you I had the perfect person. I know exactly who to call so that we could talk not only about Gonzaga, but also about the Illini and the 2005 squad. Um, how about an assistant coach from the Bulldogs and a member of the 2005 Illinois squad? It's the Rev. Roger Powell Jr. is joining us. We don't call you Rev anymore. We call you Coach now. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Some people still call me Rev, though, actually. They do? <laughs> if, they're, if they're from Illinois, yeah, that's, that's kind of my that, – that never changed. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, used, I'm getting, used, getting used to being called coach. It's been 10 years now, and I guess that title has kind of grown on me also. What an incredible career path you have taken. Um, you know, when I texted you, uh, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, it feels like yesterday – when I drove to Joliet and did the story on you in 2005 as a minister and your church and your parents and your hometown. And since then, wow, you have had some pretty great career stops in coaching from Valpo to Vandy um, and now with Mark Fuick and Zaga. You certainly have been blessed, haven't you? Man, you know, it's been it's been incredible just seeing what God has done um with my life. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, after that crazy year in Illinois in 05 when, you know, we were twenty nine and oh and lost Ohio State and the last regular season game and then playing in the national championship game and then coming here fast forward like sixteen years and I'm on a team that's twenty six and oh, we didn't lose any regular season games and now we're you know, um, 
making a run to win a national championship. And you just look at everything in between is just, I just step back and say, wow, you know, you know, never did I realize, you know, when I'm 38 years old, not only would I be coaching number one team in the country, trying to win a national championship as a coach, but also have four kids, two kids, <laughs> two kids, two kids, one and under is just, you know, it's, it's been fascinating. It's been fascinating. Well, Roger, I don't know if you know, but Jason, my co-host here, he's a twin. And um, 18 years ago, I was in that position with uh, two babies. Um, I have three total. And uh, so I can I can understand that your off days um, are not really off days. <laughs> it just means it just means you don't go uh, into the office. It means that you're working at home, taking care of the kids, helping your wife with the kids. I absolutely I love you, you it. May hear, you may hear a baby cry here in a little bit, so just heads up. That is okay. <laughs> so talking about the coaching, um, wow, you know, with Mark Few, what an incredible job he has done. But you've been surrounded by some very, very good coaches, um, especially at the mid-major level. Can you talk about the influence of the coaches you have been coached by as well as those you have worked with? Well, you know, kind of rewinding back to my last year of college or five, you know, I, I never really had a desire to coach. I, I really wanted to use basketball as a way to impact kids and to, you know, share my faith and, um, you know, just kind of be a mentor. So I, I played professionally for, uh, six years and I was having a great career over in Europe. Um, I, I had a short stint in the NBA with Utah Jazz and, you know, my agent at the time was like, hey, man, you, you may have a chance to get back in the NBA. So I was kind of doing the training camp preseasons, different NBA teams and then going overseas and playing at a high level. And, um, you know, I never really had coaching on my, my heart, my mind. It was something that my wife said to me. She said, you'll be a great coach in college. And I was like, eh, babe, not for me. I'm going to play basketball as long as I can, make a lot of money, and then, you know, maybe have a, a ministry or, you know, be a motivational speaker or, you know, do something like that. Because I got, while I was playing professional, I was doing a lot of speaking engagements and things like that. So I said to my wife, I said, a place like Valparaiso would open up because I knew Bryce Drew, I knew Homer Drew, I knew kind of, you know, it was a great mid-major program. It was a place where, you know, I felt like uh, there are our morals and, and our, our character and just the purpose of coaching kind of aligned with my my heart so I, I made a statement i said a place like valparaiso university would open up i would look about or inquire about what it would be uh, like to coach there we'll make a long story short my last year playing in, in in germany i was in my prime 28 bryce drew at the time was he knew he was going to take over for his dad because um, his dad was retiring and he was going to have a spot on his staff and um, I knew his sister uh, because her husband and I played against each other in Italy, and he's a he was a great guy. Casey Shaw, who actually coached with us at Vanderbilt. Well, let me just say right now, I went to middle school with Casey Shaw's kid. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, yes! Casey, Casey introduced me to Bryce while I was playing. Oh my gosh! And it is nuts. So Bryce and I, this is this is before. This is after I told my wife if a place like Valparaiso opened up, I would coach there. I would stop playing and coach there. Just kind of throwing that statement out there, not really thinking it would happen because, like, I knew I was in the middle of my playing career. And uh, so Bryce, um, Casey introduced me to Bryce Drew. We started talking on FaceTime. Or actually, back then, it was Skype. 
while I was in Germany. And little did I know, he was kind of building a relationship with me, almost interviewing me, seeing if I would be interested in, you know, coaching. And when my season ended, you know, I had some big contracts to go back overseas and play at a high level. My agent said that, you know, some NBA teams are inquiring about me. He offers me a job. And I basically walk away from playing at 28, start coaching in college. And it was one of those things where just I made a decision. I had faith that I believed that God was kind of leading me into that career path. And obviously it was a lot, a lot, a lot of less money. Um, you know, I was making a really good living playing overseas. So I had to take a quadruple, even more pay cut <laughs> to go coach. And that was 10 years ago. Ah. And I haven't looked back since. And it, it was the best decision I ever made. It, it's something that I absolutely loved doing. I really believe it was God's call in my life. I, I thought when I was in college, I was going to be a pastor, but now I'm, I'm a coach of young men. And, and, and it's just been pretty cool that it's kind of turned into a very, very extremely high level of coaching. And I've had, had coaching opportunities in college, which I never imagined that would happen. Mm. And, um, and here I am. So that was a long, short, short story to a lot of craziness in between. That's incredible. That It's just so ironic to me that the Shaw family was part of why you got into coaching because I went to middle school with um, Isaiah Shaw. He's going to be playing at Grand Canyon next year for Bryce Drew, um, which is so, so crazy to me. But anyway, I'm going to cut to the point and ask the question that I'm wondering, and I'm sure a lot of listeners of this are going to be wondering. So obviously you went to U of I, the coach for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Both teams are – Gonzaga is absolutely going to be the top seed. Illinois, in all likelihood, will be a one seed. Uh-huh. Tell me which of these two reasons are why you would want to play Illinois the least. Because it's a conflict of interest, because it's your alma mater, or because of the actual talent and capabilities of the Illinois basketball team. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm going to answer this my way. You know, I've always been a competitor, and I think the reason that, you know, our 05 team was so good, because we were built with a bunch of guys that wanted to compete. It didn't matter if it was – if we were in practice and, you know, D. Brown and I were on the same team and we were going against Darren and Luther and James. It didn't matter who it was. We – when we smelled blood, we were going to attack. And and that's the reason I think our team was so good. So that's the cough I've been cut, cut from. Um, and I'm extremely happy for Illinois. And I, I just – it makes my heart smile when I see the success they're having. And, you know, I still have – Illinois pajamas I wear. Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I still I still wear my Illinois shorts, and whenever they're playing, I, you know I, I try to watch them, and you know. But at the same time, I don't care who we're playing. You know, if, if I mean if we're playing Illinois, Michigan, or whoever it is, yeah, you know, I'm not thinking about you know any affiliation. I'm thinking about winning, and and I think I think that's how you're able to cut the emotions. And, um, you know, cheer for them when they're not playing against you. But when you're playing against them, it's business. Back to our conversation with Roger Powell Jr. in just a moment. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. 
That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now back to our visit with Roger Powell Jr. Do you think that the way that the tournament is structured this year with the entire tournament being played in one state, do you agree with the notion that I've been seeing all week and all month of March long that the way the tournament is set up is going to produce more upsets, even though your team, Gonzaga, just won in a tournament setting, won, ran the table and won the WCC championship. Do you think that, that the way the tournament is set up in Indianapolis and in Indiana, do you think that that's going to produce more upsets or is it just business as usual as if it was any other NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think it's business as usual, you know, but at the same time, I'm just happy that the NCAA and, and, and Coach Few is very instrumental in this coach and some of the other, you know, coaches. I know Coach Cal and, and they were on this call and they, they fought uh, to make sure that we were playing basketball in March. And I'm just so thankful that we are. You know, last year when we were, we were going to be a number one seed here in Gonzaga and we were going to play our first two games here in Gonzaga. And when the can- when the cancellation of the NCAA tournament happened, it was devastating. When it was canceled, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is like almost the worst thing that could have happened. You know, it, it was just, it, it, it stunk. Now, fast forward to this year with, with the way they've been able to put this together, um, upsets or no upsets. I think everyone is just happy to be playing. I think, I think there's going to be excitement. I think the seasons and how, you know, we play with no fans and how, you know, we our scheduling has had to kind of take a drastic change. I think that has prepared teams, especially us, for the NCAA tournament set up. So I, I'm not sure if it will make for more upsets, but I'm sure guys are going to be playing a lot harder. Guys are going to really appreciate the fact that, hey, we have an NCAA tournament and that we're playing basketball in March. Roger, what's the lesson that you teach your players about 2005. I mean, you guys were number one all season, uh, 29 straight wins at one point, and then the championship title game, the three kind of fell away from you guys. I know that you haven't forgotten it. I know you have probably thought about that game over and over and over. What's the lesson that you've learned that you try to impart on your kids now? Well, I think it's, like I mentioned earlier about you know, the competitive nature of our team that year, just in practice and and the preparation. You know, when you get to the moment, you're there. Uh, next play mentality, uh, that means embracing every moment. So so those are things that I think I'm able to kind of implement just with our guys in practice, uh, with the conversations we have with our guys. You know, the moment is not as big as the preparation. The preparation is the most important thing you can you can have it. And that's something that we talk about. That's something I try to instill. Just the energy and practice, the competitiveness and practice, you know, attacking every drill as if it was, you know, into a tournament game. I mean, these are things that I think are most important because once you get there, you, you don't have time to really think about anything other than what's been instilled in you in the offseason, in practice, in every, um, you know, regular season game. 
Well, and it doesn't hurt to have a flashy nickname, which you guys did not have the Flying Illini nickname. And that's why, you know, Dick Vitale last week, when when this year's Illinois squad is on national TV, kept referring to the Flying Illini. And everyone's like, what about 2005? What about 2005? You guys, everyone forgets about you guys. I don't know why. Oh, I I, I don't think so, man. Everywhere I go, people would say we were – one of the best teams ever to play college basketball, and true. And I, I, I love the I love the flying Illini, but you know, I, I just I look at what we were able to accomplish. I mean, I mean, with that twenty nine and old losing oh. your last regular season game, Ohio State, obviously. So twenty nine and one in the regular season, and then finishing the year, I think thirty seven and two, and making all the way to the championship game. You know, I I think that alone is 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 outstanding. I mean, and, and now being a coach and knowing how hard it is to do that, yeah. Fortunately, I'm blessed and I'm in a situation where we may be able to do even better than that. Who knows? You know, it's, I think people have a high level of respect for, for what we did in 05. And, and I think people now have a high level of respect for what we're doing here at Gonzaga. And it's, it's just pretty cool going from player to coach and kind of experiencing it from both perspectives. I love it. And, and we just have two quick questions for you, Jason. I'm going to let you ask the last two before we uh, wrap it up with Coach because I know he's got a lot to do. So I have – a quick fun question, and then one more to wrap it up. And I think I know the answer to the first question. But before I went on and did the podcast, I was texting some of my buddies back home because I know a ton of Illini fans. And they told me that you were the best dunker. Who do you think the best dunker on the current Gonzaga team is and why? I would say me. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, if it was if it was about three years ago, I I I could say me and I could back it up. I think my verticals going down a little bit uh, each year, um, but we have some pretty dynamic dunkers on this team. Jalen Suggs is is crazy athletic. I mean, if you watch the game, you see some of the blocks he he makes. I mean, that kid is 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 crazy athletic. But Julian Strother is 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 right there. I mean, he. He can really bounce up and he can make some crazy finishes in practice. And I think he's someone that we're going to have to, you know, be on the lookout for just kind of like as, as the years, you know, come in. Corey Kisper, once he leaves, you know, Julian hopefully will kind of step up into his role. Um, but I would say those two are definitely kind of neck and neck for the best dunkers. Okay, final question. I've watched a good amount of Gonzaga basketball this year. And my biggest takeaway is the fact that the offense is run. Obviously, there is a very big factor in the offense of the perimeter play. With Kispert, Suggs has shown incredible efficiency from deep and hard. Why do you think that this Gonzaga team, between the senior leadership and the superstardom of Suggs, is fit to win the national championship in the craziest, most absurd college basketball season in my in my lifetime, so so I, I will say this: um, you, you talk about offense. You know, I, my my coaching career. This is year ten. I've I've kind of been in the first seven years and focused on defense. That was kind of my role uh, with on Bryce's staff, and and now I've been thrusted into a situation where you know I have to be a lot more involved on the offense side and defense. And you know, learning is has been amazing. Just seeing kind of this system. And then being able to learn it and then teach it to our guys. And if you look at our offensive numbers, I mean, last year, this year, like 
our offensive efficiency is like crazy. I mean, it were I think we might be like on the Ken Palm number one or top three for sure from an offensive uh, efficiency um, ranking. So, so our offense is. I mean, we play fast. We 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 can we have multiple weapons. Um, we can we can score from multiple dimensions. I mean, not our perimeter play, but Drew Timmy is is one of the most efficient bigs in the country, and he's a problem on the block. So I think I think we have weapons, but then our our, our style of play, our fast pace, our high scoring. I mean, our, our our speed, you know, running down the court and offense. I mean, I think that is something that is different. And you know, I have I have coaches always calling me like, man, how, you guys play so fast. You play under control. You, 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 your 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 system is, is is crazy. Tell me about it. And these are coaches at other Division One programs, and it, it it's been cool seeing just kind of what we do in practice, the preparation. Like I said before, teaching our guys how to play, not really depending on what you have, but just depending on just the system and being consistent in how we play. Because Gonzaga has been known in the past for having really really dynamic bigs. Now we have good bigs, but we also have really dynamic guards. So it's kind of seeing kind of fun seeing how this has evolved but then the other side is defensively I think we're a top 10 defensively uh in Ken Palm also so I think we are merging the two together and I think that's something we've been teaching all year we want to be top 10 in offense and we want to be top 10 in defense and I think when you're able to do both it gives you a chance to win uh in the tournament and those those are the reasons I think we have a chance to be you know hopefully playing you know the last weekend of the NCAA tournament. He's the Rev. We knew him with the 2005 Illini, Roger Powell Jr., now an assistant coach for Mark Few in the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Look for him on the bench, on the sidelines. And, Coach, we are so proud of you, and we wish you nothing but the best unless you have to meet Illinois. Hey, 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 stop that. <laughs> Thank you Don't so much for joining that. us. Seriously, it was great to catch <laughs> up with you. Really good to hear from you. Uh, thank you so much. Good talk to you guys, too. All right, I know you're going to love this part because now you get to make some predictions. And I have a feeling Ooh. they're going to be all college basketball, aren't they? Yes, they are. All right, go for it. Okay. My three predictions, they are all March Madness related. I hope that they all three of them are correct, but it's pretty it's pretty impossible to have a perfect bracket. So I am going to say right now that in the Final Four, we will see a mid-major team not named Gonzaga. That doesn't mean that I don't think Gonzaga is going to make the Final Four, but I have trouble classifying Gonzaga as a mid-major. So other than Gonzaga, I think that we're going to see a mid-major team in the Final Four. I mentioned earlier that the way that this tournament is set up is going to be caused for a good amount of upsets. Mid-majors might not be as strong as they were um, in recent years, but I think that we could have some Cinderella's. So I'm going to say that either Loyola Chicago, I know really big, bold pick, but I'd say Loyola Chicago definitely has what, what, it, could, what it could take to uh, make the Final Four, as well as a couple teams from the Mountain West. I could see... Utah State may be making a run. San Diego State was a team that would have been a one seed last year. Now they're going to be in between six and ten seed range. They could make a run. Any team from the Mountain West, any team, BYU could also make a run out of the WCC. They held tight with Gonzaga throughout the entire championship game. I think we're going to see a mid-major in the Final Four, other than Gonzaga. My second prediction. Okay. My second prediction is that half of the Elite Eight will be made up of Big 12 teams. The Big 12 has 
easily been the most top-heavy conference of the season. The seeds one through seven in the Big 12 tournament are all likely going to be positive seeds to seeds higher than eight. There are several teams in the Big 12 that, as Joel Lenardi said on ESPN yesterday, can just be interchanged without the seeding, without any debate. And those teams are, aside from Baylor, is an obvious one seed. Big 12 could have, realistically, all four of the three seeds in Texas, Kansas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. Mm. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say that half of the Elite Eight will be Big 12 teams. I really don't want to jinx this, but I'm just going to say that those teams will be Baylor, Kansas, Texas, and Oklahoma State. All right, so your, third, your third prediction. And my third and final prediction is that in the national championship game, we got the closest national championship game of all time. And for just the second time in history, we see the national championship game go to overtime. Now, I'm not going to reveal my prediction yet, because partially because I haven't decided who I think is going to be in the championship game. But if it's what everyone thinks it's going to be in Gonzaga and Baylor, I don't see how 40 minutes of basketball could decide the champion between those two teams. So I'm going to say that this year's championship game, we are going to have last year's complete flood of the tournament be avenged, and we are going to see the greatest Final Four and greatest national championship game in history. It's always mixed bag. It's always like either it. a blowout or a close game. I so like I'm it. I'm going to say it's going to be a close game. I like the it. closest close game. All right. For my final thoughts, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. There's nothing like the office pool during the NCAA tournament. Nothing like picking brackets with teams you never watched. How do you pick? Do you pick your alma mater? Everyone does. Your favorite cities? Yeah, okay. You know someone who went to that school? Yeah, maybe their nickname? Sure. Uniforms? Always. But how many people are actually in an office anymore? And who's going to run our virtual office pools? That's the thing that we are really missing out as well with the NCAA tournament and this ongoing pandemic. But we are grateful that the tournament will be run. We may not have the fun of the office or the office pool, but we can still take part. And for that, we will definitely enjoy Hoop Madness this March. All right, our thanks go to, as always, Adam Yoffe. As a new year, with the same professional expertise, we thank him for everything he has done to guide the show. Also to Aldo Gandhi and the Bar Room Network. It's been a great start on the new platform, some of the best Chicago football podcasts, as well as others. Check us out there on Podbean and wherever you get your audio. Jason? And a big thank you goes out to Coach Roger Powell Jr. of the Gonzaga Bulldogs and former 2005 Illinois Fighting Illini. You can follow him on Twitter at Roger Powell Jr. And do not forget where you can find the podcast website at sportscasterandherson.com and on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest too. Thank you, everyone. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and rate our podcasts on Apple, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and wherever you may listen. Thank you to all of our 15,000-plus listens and counting. Stay, f- stay safe? Yeah. Stay safe, everybody. You too, Jason. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.